Welcome to the Concora Corner, a podcast dedicated to bringing you interviews with folks working in the AC and BPM industry. I'm one of your hosts, Graham Waldrop, a director of product here at Concora. Today we're talking with James Abner, VP of Technosoil. James breaks down how his company's sustainable approach is changing the possibilities and reality of how landscaping can be accomplished in commercial and residential projects. We hope you enjoy today's interview with James, but before we begin, here's a quick word from our CEO, Kip Rapp. I wanted to thank everyone again for listening to our podcast. And if you're interested in knowing more about Concora, we help building product manufacturers get specified and purchase more by providing a great web experience that's bolted onto your website. It makes it easy for your architects, engineers, and contractors to do business online with you. Uh, We sum it up as three things. It's providing a good web experience, good content, and good tools. And we have some great tools such as submittals, sustainability, project showcases, or anything else needed by your design community to specify and purchase products. We'd be more than happy to show you a quick demo, and you can go to concora.com, C-O-N-C-O-R-A.com to learn more, read case studies, and see how other customers have grown sales with our partnership. Thanks, uh, James, uh, for joining our podcast today. I do appreciate it. And I know, uh, like with our other podcasts, it was definitely interesting uh, talking to you about what you do with your product. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners would definitely like to hear that. And uh, I always love talking about, uh, while talking to founders and, and owners and their journey on how did they start the company? Why did they start? What problem they were solving? And so it's definitely something that I enjoy talking about, and I'm sure our listeners will too. So, you know, as, as we start out, James, just would like to introduce you to our listeners. So if you can just tell us who you are, what you do, what your company does, and what makes you different. Well, uh, Kip, thanks for having me here. Look forward to chatting with you a bit here today. My name is James Abner. I'm one of the founding partners and vice president for Technosoil. Uh, we're located in Northern California. We're a research and development and product development and manufacturing company for landscape and hardscape products. That's what originally uh, got us into this uh, into this market, and we've expanded. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on. Um, but it was sort of a unique way that we sort of started this company. Um, it was back in 2008 was when this concept first arose. And it happened to be at that time where the construction and housing market kind of crashed a bit. Uh, the, uh, the projects that we had that uh, my company I, at the time, I had a, uh, a company that was a consultancy for uh, architectural products. So my background had been in stone quarrying and fabrication for high-end residential projects. And that's how I kind of met my business partners. And we did this stepping stone process right around 2008. Uh, but before 2008, and back in the halcyon days, when things were better with the economy, housing market was booming, et cetera. I was doing projects throughout the West Coast. But when 2008 came around, I always use the analogy of the Etch-A-Sketch. And uh, kind of overnight, uh, those projects disappeared. And I found myself in my late 30s, kind of looking at the future sideways, trying to think what I was going to do uh, with my next endeavor. Gotcha. Yeah. So you, as you mentioned, yeah, that was a tough time for a lot of people back in 
2008, a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, kind of like COVID, right? Where uh, you have this once in a lifetime type of event and from a business standpoint, a personal standpoint, and, and then you moved into this product. So I'm, I'm really curious to what happened and how did you come up with this type of idea? Well, so at the time, like I said, I, I was working with a, with a architects, landscape architects, contractors, helping specify natural stone products uh, for large scale projects. But when that kind of dried up, I, I started thinking to myself, hey, what can I do with my life? So first thing I did was enrolled in a night class at a community college uh, and took, a, pro took a, a, a class in green building and environmental design just sounded like something interesting, thought it would break up the monotony of worrying about what I was going to do with the future. I'd worked on a few uh, projects in the past that had been LEED certified, and that's the Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design program from the U.S. Green Build Council, so I had a little bit of an intrinsic interest in that as well. The teacher of the class uh, was a unique guy by the name of uh, Anthony Floyd. He was an architect by trade, he was highly respected in the U.S. Green Build uh, uh, community, and he was at the time and still is the head of the Green Build Department for the city of Scottsdale, Arizona. And so I took this class, learned some interesting stuff about it, but one thing that I took away from it that I was interested in was what was considered natural pavement technologies. And natural pavement technologies were more or less alternatives to your standard uh, hardscapes alternatives to asphalt, alternatives to concrete, stone, concrete pavers, etc. usually using a, a crushed stone uh, design with a stabilized agent to it. So that's kind of what got me pointed in this direction. Gotcha. And so I'm, I'm just trying to get the connection. So you, you were saying, well, you went to school <laughs> and it was around environmentally kind of friendly technologies and mm -hmm. the connect what's the connection to natural pavement is and then you mentioned the stabilizers right because I imagine are the other things not as environmentally or were they the standard back then natural pavements have been around for about 30 years mm -hmm. I would say uh, give or take and they come in different shapes and forms uh, the most common ones are pre-mixed uh, stabilizers that come already mixed in the in the crushed stone mix. Some are topically applied. Some are liquids that are mixed on site. But what we what we kind of found was there was always a limitation to what uh, those products could do. The biggest void that we saw at the time was the fact that a lot of these products either didn't have much of a durability uh, component to them they were expensive or the, they, uh, they weren't very accessible to the, 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 the average homeowner, contractor, et cetera. They were more regional than they were nationally available, et cetera. So that's when I saw an opportunity to maybe find a, a niche in the, in the market that was sort of missing. Gotcha. So by itself, the natural pavement type of materials were already environmentally friendly, but are you saying that they were problems with durability or they were expensive or not accessible? 
those were the main things. A lot of these were environmentally friendly. They didn't have toxicity to them like a petroleum-based product or a high carbon footprint like a cementitious uh, product. But it was mainly from a durability standpoint, a cost standpoint, and an accessibility standpoint for the, uh, okay. uh, for the end user. Gotcha. And, and so your interest, it didn't matter if it was residential or commercial. It was just, just being able to figure out if there's a better way of providing this material that's more environmentally friendly? True. And, and, and so we're in that 2008 time frame, 2007, 2008, when all this stuff was, uh, was going down with the economy. So a lot of the larger scale projects weren't around. So what I kind of noticed at the time was that the backyard projects weren't going to be the $100,000 pool remodel and, and the whole, uh, you know, uh, hardscape thing. It was going to be more of a limited uh, DIY style uh, approach. Gotcha. People were doing little gazebos, pathways to their gardens, fire pits, trying to do the staycation. You know, that became the, the coin term back in the day. People weren't taking the vacations because the economy was down, but they were kind of making their little backyard into some place that was a little bit more comfortable for them. So they might not be spending tens of thousand dollars on their backyard project, but there was many projects out there where they could spend a couple thousand bucks to spruce it up. Yeah, it's kind of similar like with COVID, right? Everyone's staying at home, and they want to go outdoors and they want to have a better place. So I imagine there's a lot of similarities. Um, so now that you mentioned there's this problem and you had a passion for looking at, at this and, and back then it wasn't geared towards the big projects and maybe it was the do-it-yourselfers back then. So how did you move from there? I mean, what, I, obviously just knowing what a problem is and a passion are two key ingredients, but not the only ingredients to start a company. So I started out working with a couple of local paving contractors. I would go out and bird dog some projects. I'd find some projects, some smaller scale projects that I would bring in, have these paving contractors use some of these existing technologies that were out there. And we got mixed results. Some of them turned out pretty good. Most of them turned out, you know, what I would call a C minus in terms of quality. They didn't meet the expectations that I was hoping for, at least. You were mentioning, were you working with these contractors just to use this type of natural pavement? Or were you, were you thinking about better ways of using natural pavement at that time? Well, it kind of evolved into, into the ladder there. I, I was just trying to find a way to, <laughs> to make some money in a down economy okay, got and you. was interested in this natural pavement. So when I got these mixed bag results over a dozen or so projects, that's when I uh, reached out to my uh, current business partner and the president of the company, Sean Weaver. Now, I, I'd known Sean back from the stone business. He was a, a young man, entrepreneurial spirit, he uh, actually owned and operated uh, the San Francisco Brownstone Quarry just north of the Bay Area. And he was a, had some uh, great ideas. He uh, had some patents that he'd done in the past. Not only were we business associates, but we became pretty close friends over the time in the stone business. So I knew that he had a little bit more creative zeal than I did and could perhaps be the person that could add a little bit of inspiration into what we could do with the natural paving. So I put in a call to Sean and 
after about three months of poking and prodding and trying to get him on board with this, this concept, uh, he calls me up one day and he's like, James, he goes, I, I know I haven't been that motivated in, in this natural pavement stuff, but I tell you what, he goes, I have been working around with a few formulas. He goes, and I think I came up with a formula that just might work. That's awesome. So you, uh, so you're trying to make some extra money in a down economy and you went to class and you were interested in this environmentally friendly type of natural pavement. And it sounded like you visited some contractors, you weren't happy with the results. And then you knew uh, your buddy <laughs> who, uh, it, it, so it sounds like that you told him about this problem and, and said, oh, well, these results are, are a C minus and can, can you help me with some formulation? And, and over a period of a few months, he, he got back to you. Is, is that what you're saying? Exactly, exactly. And he's like, hey, I think I came up with something that's going to be easy to use, it's going to be cost effective, and it's going to be more durable than anything else that's out there. And I'm like, well, I'm all ears. <laughs> I'm like, what's the next step? He goes, well, let me get some of this product together. He goes, you call up a handful of your uh, landscape contractors. I got some contractors up in my neck of the woods. We'll hand some product out, you know, for them to do some smaller scale projects little, you know, 100 square feet here, 200 square foot there, uh, there type projects. And let's get their feedback. If their feedback's positive, then we can maybe proceed. And lo and behold, everybody that we handed off product to called us up within the next couple of weeks and said, hey, this was easy to use. Our customers are happy. We like it. Yeah. And are, are these contractors normally using then this uh, natural pavement or were they using something else as a standard? I would say that the majority of uh, the contractors that we initially worked with had either some rudimentary experience with or had worked a, a bit with the other technologies that were out mm -hmm. there. So how did you convince them even just to try your product out if this wasn't one of their normal ways of uh, providing work? Well, the, the, the best way to do it was to give it to them for free. <laughs> oh, for free. Okay. Save them so, some money. <laughs> exactly. A little gravitas. It's like, hey, no, no harm, no foul. Try it out for free. It wasn't, you know, a huge investment for us. Of course, we were having to expend some money in this process, uh, but just we more or less were uh, mixing up some product for them, giving them some, uh, some basic instructions of how to use the product, which was just a four-step process, same as it is today as it was the first day that we handed this stuff out. So when we started getting these positive results, uh, you know, uh, back from uh, the contractors, we're like, well, if you like it so much, why don't you talk to your local <laughs> landscape supply yard and tell them about our product and say, hey, if you bring this stuff in, we'll buy it from you. That's awesome. Yeah. And that, that, that really nice switch to, uh, you said it was the landscape suppliers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so with the uh, contractors, so what's an example project would they do? Because you were mentioning these were smaller projects where they do yourself projects where they would get hired by the homeowner or was it something else? Well, it, it might be a project where they're coming in to build a gazebo or a okay. fire pit that they might have just been putting gravel or, you know, some kind of decorative stone in and around those areas that wasn't going to be stabilized even. But this was something that they could offer as an as a add-on to their customer uh, to an existing project. So they didn't have to wait and find it. You know, we tried to find some contractors that had some projects right away. So it might be a 100-square-foot walkway to a gazebo, or it might be a 200-square-foot circle around a fire pit. 
or a patio off somebody's back deck. Somebody that was looking for something a bit more natural, something that wasn't going to be concrete, something that didn't have the cost of a natural stone or a concrete paver, uh, but still serve the purpose for what they were looking for. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I really appreciate that where you had a problem and you very organically was able to test it out with real customers like, like these contractors way back when. And was that around what, 2008 or 2009? Or? This, is, this is touching on 2009 when we started throwing okay. some product out there to the, to the contractors to get their feedback. Okay. And Everything happened uh, fairly, uh, fairly quickly. Uh, <laughs> we were uh, victims of our own success initially. Uh, you know, once again, my business partner, Sean, he had his own business going on. I still had my own business, even though I knew I had to, to, to readapt to the changing conditions uh, of the economy at the time and the construction market. Uh, so before we knew it, we had uh, some pre-orders. We had enough to be able to start commerce. So we were able to buy some bottles, get some uh, labels printed up, get some brochures printed up, have enough money left over for the components for our, uh, our formula, for our uh, stabilizer called Pathway Stabilizer, still is the name of the product, uh, pretty well known uh, out there in the market these days. And with this Pathway Stabilizer product, we had uh, probably two dozen uh, landscape supply yards carrying our product within just a few weeks uh, time. Awesome. So these uh, landscape supply yards, as you mentioned, you were able to work a relationship with them, I assume, with the contractor's help to uh, supply your products. And is that then the genesis of being able to create that commerce? Exactly. Exactly. And so one thing led to another. We were more or less fed the contractors the product that, you know, filled that, that niche for them, you know, uh, that supply side niche, they were able to transfer that on to the landscape supply yards. In, in California, landscape supply yards are pretty abundant. You know, you can't go two miles down the road without seeing another gravel and stone uh, uh, supply yard. So one would hear about another having this product then we get a call up saying, hey, I, I heard you got a new product, this stabilizer. We're interested in it. And before you know it, we, we had to start a company. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, based, I'm based in Arizona. My business partner's in Northern California. He, he had a, maybe a thousand square foot. I might even be generous with the square footage, a thousand square foot warehouse facility on about a half acre uh, parcel of land. Mm -hmm. And before we knew it, we had that uh, full warehouse uh, overfilled with product and uh, uh, we're, uh, we're supplying, you know, uh, the regional market in California initially. Gotcha. So and you started in California because of your partner? That's where we were based out of yeah. being the eighth the largest economy of scale standalone yeah. in, the, in the world doesn't hurt having, you know, California as our backyard. Uh, so we were able to grow, I think, fairly quickly just because uh, that California market was there oh, for yeah. us. Uh, but lo and behold, after a few weeks of commerce and getting the, the ball rolling, uh, we get a call from a sales rep. And he's like, hey, I, I go around and I see your product all over the place. I've been <laughs> looking for a product like this for years. He goes, and here you guys have this product. He goes, are you looking for a sales rep? 
it's like, well, I guess that's the next step that we need to do is get a sales rep out there. And before you knew it, we had over 100 uh, landscape uh, supply yards as our dealers within that first year out of the gates. Gotcha. So, and, and your salesperson was selling to the supply yards? He was a manufacturer's rep. So he carried a half dozen different products, yeah. everything from masonry trowels to, you know, rakes and shovels to, to, to other types of uh, landscape products. So he already had that relationship. So that was helpful as well in getting uh, the, the product out there to the masses. But he was directly selling to the supply yard to stock your product and convincing them. He more them. or less was employed by us to be a, a, a representative for our company is kind of how that works. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's great. And were you saying back then, were there other competitive products on the market? Well, there, there were, and that's why we kind of chose this retail approach, this easy to use, readily available. We tried to make our products simple enough that a DIY or a do-it-yourselfer can install our products and still get contractor quality results. And the funny thing is over the years, I have less problems with homeowners, DIYers than I do with contractors because they're not as set in their ways. <laughs> They'll actually follow the instructions, you know, one step, two step, three four step, steps. All that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're not trying to, to, to cut corners or anything to that nature. Uh, so, yes, th there were other companies that were on a larger scale. But like I said, with the, uh, the market being truncated with the downturn in the economy, with that recession happening, not only were those larger scale projects not as common, but the competition was a lot more intense. Mm -hmm. So we're like, we're too small and we're too young of a company to try to fight with some of these bigger entities. Let's find our own, let's carve out our own little specialty niche for this product that right now has no competition. So mm -hmm. when we initially started this, uh, this uh, concept with the pathway stabilizer for stabilizing uh, uh, crushed stone mixes, we kind of had the only uh, gig in town uh, that, would, uh, that was sold there through that uh, distribution network. Sure, so what was the differentiator then? I, I didn't quite get that. Well, the, yeah. the other companies mainly concentrated on larger scale projects. They oh, didn't gotcha. care about the smaller guys, the backyard projects, even even the project. We got projects at, at schools, office complexes, things to that nature. There might be a few thousand square feet, not just a couple hundred square feet in the backyard. But I would say that the 90 percent of our projects initially were for those little smaller scale projects, mm -hmm. just mainly based on the economy. I get that. So your competitors were focused on larger projects, assumingly more complex. And as you mentioned, your product could focus on the DIY, DIY folks and smaller projects. So my question there is with the DIY folks, how did they, I mean, are they going to the landscape supply yards too, or are they getting to know your product through the uh, contractors? Yeah, well, a little bit of both. I mean, the yeah. one thing that we tried to separate ourselves from initially was try to market our product very well. Yeah. Have a nice, have nice literature, have nice point of sale displays. Even when we were just breaking out of the box, the first thing that we did was develop these 12 by 12 display trays. So 12 inch by 12 inch that would display this stabilized uh, crushed stone in the tray. So people could go in knock their knuckles on it, take a look at it. Oh, that's what this looks like. Pick up a brochure that's on the, the back of the tray, 
look at the brochure. Within two minutes, they're an expert in how to use the product. Yeah. And, and so is that right? Is, is a, a homeowner's going to these uh, supply yards also to do these? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you made it very accessible, not intimidating, hands-on, where they can see the purpose of what this product does, and they have the confidence that they can actually do it themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and we've continued with that process. Uh, now, at I would probably say 75%, 80% of our uh, supply yards out there nationally, uh, we have a, a, a point of sale, uh, sale rack. It's more or less a five-tiered rack where it can stage product that can be sold. We have those point of sale trays on there. And we also probably about seven years ago started to integrate a nice video monitor, usually a 32 inch video monitor on top that would actually show a video of our products. Mm -hmm. So right there, they have a video showing how the product's done. They have a nice little easy to read brochure. They have a sample right in front of them that they can knock their knuckles on. So they can be pretty confident with how to use the product if the product's applicable for their use without even having to talk to a floor rep there at the supply mm -hmm. yard. And, and back then, was your product also differentiated on the cost and the durability? Uh, so that's also a difference for your... your customers? Well, I, I would say that the accessibility and the durability were the two big components. Um, uh, us going through a distribution network, through a dealership network, of course, the dealer has to have a markup on it. So there was, there's always going to be a little cost difference that way. But we have that loyalty from that dealer network that we're not selling direct. And at that time, all of our competition per se, or the other people that were making similar types of products, all sold direct to the end user, whether it was a homeowner, whether it was a contractor, et cetera. But that would often discourage the dealer network from bringing in their product, knowing that they could be sold from around the side, so to speak. Gotcha. And I, I was talking to someone else, James, that talked about marketing to contractors versus DIY, DIY folks, did you find that a difference or was that fairly similar? You know, I think the approach was similar uh, because the, the landscape of contractors, the, the homeowners, they're going into that same place. And usually they would go in, you know, oftentimes they'd go in together or the homeowner would go in and say, hey, I went to ABC Supply. I saw this product. I'm interested in it. And that might spark the interest of the contractor more so than the contractor trying to talk the homeowner into it. Mm -hmm. But we yeah. kind of took that approach. If we market this well enough, you know, we can get it from both angles, you know, where there's no gray area, so to speak, for who the product could be marketed to. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I guess two things from there. So what, if, if someone was starting their business, just like you did many years ago, mm -hmm. uh, one, what would you tell them? What, what are some key things that you would tell them? And two, if you had to do things over again, what would you do differently? <laughs> well, that's a that's a heck of a question there in terms of what we would do all over again. And I don't know if we would because, you know, the hard lessons that we learned are some of the most important lessons that we learned. Uh, I think fluidity, you, you can't be static as a business because everything evolves and changes. Uh, you know, the recession turned into a good period of time in the economy. And then we had to deal with the uh, pandemic. 
And then the pandemic actually became a unique opportunity for us as well, because a lot of these homeowners were working from home. So they had a little bit more flexibility with their time and, and resources, et cetera. And they're in there with their, uh, with their significant others saying, hey, that backyard project that you've promised me for the last two years, now's a great time for us to talk about that and we can do with this weekend. So actually last year, 2020, we had probably a 15% uh, gain in revenue. Uh, as opposed to 2019. So it actually turned into a, into a net positive for us. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would say being fluid, not being static with, with the, with the uh, conditions out there, being ambitious. Now, like I said, we started out with this one product. From that one product, we've developed 12 other products. But being ambitious without sacrificing the stability of your company. We didn't try to bite off more than we could choose, so to speak. So we tried to wisely place new products into our catalog, so to speak. And a lot of these new products that we would develop over the years came from feedback we would get from contractors, feedback we would get from building supply yards. Hey, if you, if you made a product that would do this, I know we could sell it. Or, hey, I've been using this product. It doesn't work that well. Do you think you can make something that works better? And that's kind of where we tried to find our foothold in the industry, was not only try to develop products that had little to no competition, but to try to better upon existing products that were in the market. Gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> so as you mentioned, you started out as a a product problem solver because of the formulation and you differentiated then on the supply chain of going direct to the supply yards and, and promising them that you wouldn't sell yourself. And as you mentioned, you created a niche to make it easy for both the contractors and the do, do it yourself for folks. So that, that all seems great. So, that, I mean, it just seems like you have a, a, a huge basis around research and development and listening to these contractors. And I know we talked before, James, that you are certainly focused on the innovation of what you do. So can you walk us through to where you are today? I know you had some great stories around how you're taking your company and the innovation that you're doing and you're applying it to other areas. Well, as I've mentioned, you know, we tried to we tried to have a good idea and expand upon it. You know, one of my, my, my favorite quotes is out there from Linus Pauling. The best way to have a good idea is to have lots of ideas. And, and don't get me wrong. Most of our great ideas will never see the light of day <laughs> just because they weren't as great as, as, as we thought they were at the time. But from then, as I'd mentioned earlier, not only do we manufacture landscape and hardscape products that are sold through this retail market, um, we also have a, a research and development uh, side of our company. Uh, and, the, and the research and development side of the company came from, came from actually the golf industry. It was a superintendent at the California Club in San Francisco came to us and said, hey, we've been looking for alternatives for our golf cart paths for years. We've tried all these other technologies out and nothing really works. You know, what, what, what do you have for us? So that put us to, uh, to, the, to the drawing board. And we started working on a product about five years ago, five, six years ago, that we call G5, the letter G, the number five, G5. And this is a, a polymer 
that is mixed with the crushed stone looks just like a, a natural crushed stone mix at the end of the day. But the nice thing with it, it can weather in all seasons, has uh, up to 6,500 PSI, so you can almost get up to concrete strength with it. So the biggest issue with these golf courses, they had, you know, either the option of using asphalt, concrete, or these other technologies that just weren't there. So from that point, we, we developed this G5 product for this golf course, served their purpose. They loved it. We have it at Pebble Beach and a few other major uh, golf courses throughout the United States right now. From that, of course, word gets around, architects, specifiers hear about this project or this product and the projects that we've used it upon. And three years ago, we were able to do the pathway system at the new Apple campus in uh, the Bay Area. Uh, we were able to do uh, some work with Google, Facebook, technology campuses throughout Northern California became a big boon for, uh, for this type of product because they could get a natural look. It meet, met those US green build uh, characteristics for that LEED certification, which is becoming ever more popular. Uh, and it was durable. It's the only natural pavement solution out there, the, the G5 product uh, that, that meets those criteria. In, in terms of durability for all seasons, vehicular traffic, snow melt, there's no susceptibility. It solves a problem back when you were talking about with, with the gentleman at the golf course, where what was the kind of the standard product? Was it, I assume it was less durable, it was something else, it was less sustainable? Even, even with our, our, our landscape hardscape product, we sell through the retail, the, uh, the, the pathway stabilizer type products. They have a limitation. There's, a, there's a, a, an Achilles heel with most natural pavements. And usually that is heavy traffic, vehicular traffic mainly, and oversaturation from heavy water, uh, uh, over irrigation, heavy rain events, snow melt, things to that nature have always taken those natural pavement technologies to their breaking point. And even though we have a great product there with our pathway stabilizer, there's a limitation for what it can do. We were able to overcome all those hurdles with this G5 product. Gotcha. And so that was just, as you pointed out, there was a problem, but was this something that you were also innovating on as an alternative to the stabilizer? You had to create a material that was just overcame those two impediments that you just mentioned. Yes, yes. I mean, that, that's, that's the biggest challenge was that, that durability standpoint. People wanting something natural, but nothing being available at that time to fill that need. Mm-hmm. What is that? I mean, just for me, because I don't know anything about this, James, is that a, uh, what does that look like? Is that, uh, does it look like some kind of, I, I certainly think it's, it, I, I kind of imagine like concrete material of some sort, right? So I don't, I'm not sure. We, we deal mainly with liquids. So yeah. from our landscape, hardscape products, the pathway stabilizers, all of our sealants, adhesive yeah. specialty products, are 99% of them are water-based. Yeah, uh, that's that's what we that's what we do. The G5 product is also a liquid product. Now, what separates that is it actually does need to be mixed on site. We're using a portable pug mill. It can be used with a small mortar mixer, a tow behind mortar mixer for smaller scale jobs. So what we do is we get the crushed stone mix, mix it in a percentage with the amount of G5 liquid, 
pour it in place, compact it like you would asphalt. So the concept for the G5 bound aggregate is similar to how uh, asphalt's made. You mix it, you pour it in place, and then you compact it, either with a hand compactor, a vibratory plate compactor, or a double drum, drum asphalt roller. Gotcha. So does it look more like asphalt or more like, like my driveway, which is more like a it's aggregate of stone, right? It, it, well, it, it's going to look like a crushed stone mix that's been yeah. compacted. To the naked eye, you wouldn't think it would be hard enough for a vehicle to drive upon or not a road away with the first rainfall, etc. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So it, it has that natural look, but it still has that durability of a, of a traditional solid surface like an asphalt. That's awesome. So I know we talked about uh, some other things as far as, I mean, you, you certainly have a this passion and, and research and development to innovate and to innovate from an engineering standpoint, right? Which is really awesome, right? Where you're able to create uh, new product, new formulas, new materials. And uh, I know we were going over an example of, uh, of another innovation that you're, is, is that similar to the G5 or, or is that uh, something different? So things change in this world. Stepping stones is what I call it. So yeah. we first got into this market on kind of a lower level, trying to feed the, the homeowners with a nice little back backyard DIY capable project uh, product with the, with the pathway stabilizer. That kind of transcended with this G5 product. It could be more durable for pathways, commons areas at tech campuses, golf courses, uh, museums. Uh, about three years ago, we did the uh, National Museum in uh, Doha, Qatar uh, in the Middle East and they did their entire uh, facility inside and outside with this G5 product. Well, within the development of this, I was mentioning my business partner earlier, I give him some more accolades. Sean's a, a bright, bright young man. Um, he came up with a concept in where we can uh, recycle existing asphalt roads. And using this same binder, G5, which has just now been renamed NEO, N-E-O. NEO is the name of this, uh, of the product now uh, that is used for road recycling. So the NEO liquid is integrated with the old asphalt. It's in a machine called a train. Now, if you go to NeoPave, N-E-O-P-A-V-E.com, NeoPave.com, you'll be able to see some videos of what this contraption looks like because it's kind of hard to explain. But just think of something that's about 30 yards long, consisting of several pieces of equipment that are readily available in road reclamation uh, uh, equipment. Uh, so the first part of the equipment digs up the existing asphalt road. The second part crushes it back down to asphalt size. The third part mixes it with our Neo binder. The fourth part puts it out in windrows and then a paving machine comes around behind it and you can more or less make a new road as you go. So instead of having to rip up old road and replace it with new road, we can use 99% of that existing asphalt and recycle it in place. So it just is able to not only reclamate, I guess, right, and tear up that asphalt, mm -hmm. but then you can crush it, mix it, add your solution and then pave it down again. And then you, have, and then you said the pavers behind it, that's just making it flat and compact. 
Exactly. It's going to look like a brand new road. Now, th this process is called cold in place recycled asphalt, and it's been used with traditional petroleum based asphalt uh, emulsions in the past. What we've done with this new NEO, which is what G5 used to be, we've integrated about 10% of this as recycled plastic. So what we're doing with NEO, it's diverting about 150,000 plastic bottles per lane mile from single-use post-consumer waste products into a road system that's going to last about three times longer than a traditional asphalt pavement. That's awesome. So you're saying it's more sustainable, environmentally friendly, right? More durable. And what about the cost then? Is, is there a difference? Well, it, 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 in, in most situations, in most instances, it's going to be a lot less because we're not having to deal with the downtime. We're not having to deal with removing tons of old material and bringing in fresh new material. We're not using a petroleum product that has a limited lifespan. We're using actually a waste product as a part of our component in this, uh, in this NEO product. And with the plastic itself, there, there's been plastic asphalts in the past. India has used them in the past. There's companies out of Australia, Canada, one out of Scotland, but they're using it, integrating it still within their own petroleum-based emulsion. We're using a specialized uh, uh, emulsion with this plastic binder that's mm -hmm. not, not weaker than asphalt, not as strong as asphalt, but two to three times stronger than asphalt. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So with that, you're saying because of the entire process of replacement as you have it with that unified type of process you have, then overall, it could be a lot less expensive. Uh, so that's it, awesome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it clicks a lot of boxes. We, we, we got we got fortunate about four years ago when this program first started with the with the G5 aspect. We started working with the University of Nevada in Reno, their civil engineering department, and they probably did two years worth of R&D for us. They did testing, material testing, uh, rut designs, making sure that our product would work in uh, in, in the real world scenario. And uh, from uh, from that, that from that springboard with uh, with the University of Nevada, we've we've worked with uh, here most recently the city of Los Angeles. Uh, actually, uh, Mayor uh, Eric Garcetti just announced a few weeks ago uh, that Streets LA Streets LA is the road department for the city of LA. Uh, I forgot how many miles, but I think it's close to a million street miles of road they have in Los Angeles County itself. Uh, they've signed on for a, for a pilot program and partnered with Neopave, uh, our new oh, company. That's great. Uh, to, start, uh, to start working on uh, road recycling there in, in Los Angeles itself. And what is the main reason? Is it, is it because of the cost? Is it because of the environmental friendly aspect? Is it the durability? I mean, is it all those reasons or is there something, you know, primary reason out there? <laughs> I think it clicks all those boxes that you just mentioned. Yeah. It hits that, that environmental aspect that we're using recycled post-consumer waste. We're offering a product that's most of the times less expensive than, uh, than traditional asphalt would be. And then it's going to be two to three times more durable. That's awesome. Well, that's great. I know we're running up to the end of our session, James, but that was awesome. I, I really appreciated 
just your story of starting back in 2008 and knowing the right people, obviously, right? Because you, you had a need to make some side money, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know my side gig could turn into such a, a you know, a, a opportunity. But just even having this opportunity with LA, we've been working with the California Department of Transportation. Yeah, Last year, uh, we were uh, uh, nominated as one of the top 10 most influential companies by Fast Company Magazine. That's awesome, yeah. And then just here recently in the last couple of weeks, we uh, we won an award from the American Society of Civil Engineers, their Game Changers Award for road technology. So the way it's looking right now, uh, we're, we're very uh, fortunate to be where we're at and we look, uh, look forward to uh, what the future brings us for sure. Yeah, well, it's exciting and, and such a noble cause too, because it's, it's rare that you can hit on a lot of check boxes as a product and sustainable, durable, cost-effective, and it sounds like with the people that you know and your partner, you're able to solve that through a technology, right? Being able to invent new things to make everyone's lives better. And so I, I you know, I definitely wish you the, the best of luck to what you're doing and appreciate the time here, James. Uh, if folks want to uh, reach out to you or, or your company, how can they do that? Well, there's a couple different ways. Uh, our, our retail side, our uh, landscape and hardscape side is simply technosoil.com. That's T-E-C-H-N-I-S-O-I-L.com. And for anybody that's interested in our, uh, our, our natural pavement through Neopave, that's neopave.com, N-E-O-P-A-V-E.com. All of our contact information's on there and a plethora of unique uh, information. Well, awesome. Well, thanks again, James. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to get this one out into the market, our, our podcast that we're doing today. And uh, yeah, absolutely appreciate your time and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Hey, hey, Kip, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, that wraps us up for today's show. So you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud by searching for The Concord Corner. And if you'd like to, we'd love a rating and a short review if you listen on Apple. Any feedback is appreciated on any of our shows that are coming out, and or just the show in general, or if you just want to say hello. Uh, you can find out more about Concora and our services at www.concora.com. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash LLC. We are on Twitter at Concora. And you can find us on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash company slash Concora. Thank you for listening and have a great day.